Thank you for tuning in to Lexington Road Ministries podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to stop by. We hope you enjoy today's message. that this book right here is a book of fairy tales. The LGBT community would love for you to do away with that book because they don't like what's in it. A lot of preachers don't like what's in it. But I'm telling you, this book is either a book of lies made up by a very creative group of people who did not know each other that are all mythical as social scientists are telling us, and German higher criticism, which are theologians that say the book is just not about real people. It is about mythical people and stories uh, to intimidate the enemies of Israel and to give moral lessons to. I'll be honest with you. If I didn't believe that book was the word of God, I wouldn't be a preacher for two seconds. Everybody believes that book's the word of God. Say amen. You ready to go on a journey with me? This is what they say to us. They call us homophobes. They call us bigots. They actually said this, and I can't wait to get to this in a few minutes. If you believe in talking snakes and virgin births, you don't get to tell me what's natural. It's an actual website. Look at this one. This is an atheist website. The Bible is a commendium of a member of various fictional works of unknown authors. Nothing could be a greater lie in all the world for someone who is truly looking for truth. It's just a lie. And this atheist website says even the Christians don't believe this stuff. That's just not true. As a matter of fact, again, the Bible says if we don't praise him, the rocks are going to cry out. And I want to remind all of us that there's two-thirds of everyone in this room under the age of 24 that's going to be gone if we don't do something. We've got to be able to give a defense for the question, how do you know you can trust your Bible? How many of you believe Jesus is coming back? Can I see your hands? How many believe he's the son of God? Can you say amen? How many of you believe that he's going to split the eastern sky and go through the eastern gate off the Mount of Olives and set up his kingdom in the new Jerusalem? Somebody say amen. I believe that. Now, here's the point. When you're raised up in a church like I've been raised up, a church of God, you need to understand a couple of things. We do not believe that this book is a book of fairy tales. We claim that this is the very book and it's the breath of God. We also believe that it's historically correct and we believe that it can predict the future. We believe that it claims that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen. Now, the question is, can you trust your Bible? I'm glad you asked that because I want you to take a good hard look There are over 25,000 archaeological sites in Jerusalem alone that proves this book to be an actual place. As a matter of fact, you're looking at the hands from the city of Corinth where you get the book of Corinthians. And Paul said the hand is not more important than the foot and the foot is not more important than the ankle. That's because they serve the god Eclospius which is the insignia of physicians worldwide. And the God of Acospius was the healing God. And in the city of Corinth, they would take a plaster of Paris, and I'm not being vulgar, but they would make it of a woman's breast, of a male's genitalia. They would make it of an arm, a leg, an eye. Whatever was ailing you and you needed healing from, they would make a plaster of Paris of this thing and throw it in the well to the God Acospius. So when Paul told the church of Corinth, 
your hand is not more important than your foot, they knew exactly what he was talking about. And there's archaeological evidence. Now, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but does anyone in here know and remember this in the newspaper? Will you lift your hands? I think some people are fibbing to me. That's when uh, the, uh, the person who assassinated Kennedy was shot. It was in the newspaper. Now, let me see. How many of you remember this? Um, it's not coming up. I'll go to the next one. All right? Here's what I need you to know. You are not the only one ever to ask about your faith. Melito of Sardis, which is one of the seven churches of Asia Minor, in 160 AD said, hey, go back to Jerusalem and take me and show me where these things happened. As a matter of fact, you have Eusebius, the church historian, who asks the same question. You have Alexander of Cappadocia in 230 that said, show me where these events in this book took place. You have, uh, anybody ever seen the Planet of the Apes? Let me see your hands. Right here is where they get the movie set from. It's actually uh, Alexander of Cappadocia. The other one was Origin, excuse me, of Alexandria. This is Alexander of Cappadocia in 320 AD. He was a church leader and he said to the early church people in 300 he said go back and show me where the crucifixion took place go back and show me where the pool of Bethesda was at go back and show me where the tomb of Lazarus was at and so people early on began to look at their faith how many of you remember Jesus cooking breakfast for the disciples let me see your hands right there's where it happened you need to understand something when the early church built a church they did not build it by accident they built it on top of something that was magnificent that took place there that door you're looking at right there in the middle is where the original door was at that the early um, uh, oh, oh, um, uh, Catholic group, I know their name, Francis of Assisi, where his people went in and started establishing the holy sites in the city of Jerusalem and around there. Right there is outside of Sardis that John the Revelator mentions. And you're looking at the temple of Diana, the ruins. The early church would turn around and win so many people to Christ in that culted culture. And then destroy the temple of Artemis or Diana or Isis depending where you came from. And they'd plant a church on the ashes of an, a God that wasn't nothing but made of brick and mortar. Somebody say amen. That gets me going. Let me show you something. There was also this idea and this thing that's very well known in antiquity. Where my friend Dr. Ryan Jackson is sitting, he has a PhD from Cambridge, is a holy place. This is the church of St. Philip who walked with Jesus. They just found it. When I first went to Turkey, they thought they'd found it. Now they know they found it. And what they would do is they would build the asp, the stage of the church... And they would build it in a holy spot. The disciple of Jesus Christ, St. Philip, was crucified, or excuse me, martyred right there in the city of Heropolis. Right where Ryan is sitting. You also need to understand that we found the bones of St. Peter. They would collect relics. How many of you ever heard of the church of Laodicea? They just dug it up in the last seven years. Give God's word a hand clap of praise. You're looking at the very church Jesus talked about. Then you got Helena who was the mother of the emperor Constantine and she said you take me back and you show me where these things happened in the Bible because her son Constantine who ruled Istanbul which was Constantinople back then actually began to go on a pilgrim and look for where Jesus was 
to be born uh, at and where he'd be buried at. So the Roman emperor's mother goes and builds a church where they said in 300 A.D. that the uh, uh, that Jesus was uh, born at, and then she built a church on the the crucifixion site. Now I know there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of controversy. Now let me explain something because I got to go fast. You see this church on the right, or my right, your left? They used to say there's two places that we know possibly where Jesus was buried at. I believe intellectually and academically and archaeologically that's the place. You want to know why? Because just in the last five years, they opened that tomb, that that mausoleum is over right now. You see that big thing in the middle of the building? That's actually where Jesus was buried buried at that's the tomb of Christ there's another place that people say may have been the actual location but now that's not necessarily so and here's the reason why because of of the miraculous nature of technology we now know that when they opened that building right there to my right and your left that when they opened it they found that that tomb had not seen sun since 326 A.D. And that's exactly where the historians say that Helena took the place Jesus was buried and the peace of Golgotha and built a church off the top of it. We also know that the scriptures are reliable. But do you know that archaeologists say that the Bible is a trustworthy book? See, a lot of people will tell you that archaeologists have said the Bible is full of myths. That's not true. Let me tell you what real archaeologists say. Archaeological institutes at Yale say the Bible has never been disproven to be correct historically. As a matter of fact, the center that trains archaeologists, the center that trains archaeologists said it is perfectly true that biblical archaeology has done a lot to ex- explain the biblical history as being trustworthy. These are people who are not Christians. One of the head archaeologists in the world, Nelson Gluck, actually said in a Time Magazine article that the Bible, and he's Jewish, that the Bible is absolutely a historically true book. Somebody put your hands together and give God praise. Amen? Now, I want, well, now I want you to look here. Take a look at this. As soon as... You know, I use Gorilla Glue, and I haven't had fingerprints since. Somebody say amen. Right there, that book right here has been investigated, young lady, more than any book ever written in the history of the world. But what if I told you to close your Bible right now and take a pen and pencil and go along with me? And that I was going to prove to you 50 people in the Old Testament lived without using the Bible, but the Bible has to mention them. As a matter of fact, let's start with Pharaoh Shishak in 1 Corinthians 11 and 40. Let's go on down to Soul King of Egypt in 2 Kings uh, 7 and 14. Now let's go look at the Pharaoh Terahekok in 2 Kings 19 and 9. Why don't while you're at it, go look at Pharaoh Necho in 2 Chronicles 35 and 20. There his name, there's his name and antiquity on a rock. And the Bible says, if you don't praise me, the rocks are going to cry out. Somebody say amen. Oh, hallelujah. Why don't we take a good look at Pharaoh Hopra? 
mentioned in Jeremiah. There he is. Why don't we take a good look at King Misha on the Misha Stila that's in the uh, British Museum. I've been there. Those are, these are my pictures. Why don't we look at Aram of Damascus that First Kings talk about. And that Stila right there has his name on it. Why don't we take a good look at Hazel of Damascus. Why don't we take a good look at King Rezin in Second Kings. There he is. Kids, that's a picture of King Rezin. He's not a mythical creature. He's not made up by a bunch of mental midget Pentecostals. It is a real human being. And if the people in the Bible can be proven to be real, how much more is he going to return in a twinkling of an eye and the dead in Christ are going to rise and those of us who remain are going to be caught up and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Help me give God some praise in this house tonight. If I can prove to you historically it's true, how much more is the spiritual aspects of the Bible true? Why don't you take a good look at this one? Jehu. Why don't you take a good look at Xerxes? Xerxes was the one that had a bow and a silver goblet with his, his father. But the king Xerxes that Ezra talks about, who actually went to Nehemiah and said, Boy... Why are you so sad? That's the bow he ate dinner off of night after night with his name on it. Anybody remember being criticized in the Bible when Nehemiah was building the wall? I just saw the wall just a few months ago. Do you know a guy named Sanballat turned around and made fun of Nehemiah? But Sanballat was a real human being and he actually wrote a letter that's not in the Bible and you're looking at it. A letter from Sanballat. So out of 50 people, how many can I prove? 50. Give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. But let's look at the enemies of God. There are 34 enemies in the Bible. Anybody ever heard of Belzebub? Let me see your hands. Let me show you a picture of him. That's him. Anybody ever heard of Artemis in Acts 19? There she is. Anybody ever heard of child sacrifices to Molech? Right there he is, and underneath that, Molech sacrificed Stila were baby skulls, just like the Bible says in Leviticus 18 and 30. Now, there are 34 gods mentioned in the Old Testament. Now, listen, if the Bible can get its enemies right, that's pretty good, isn't it? If it can name 34 enemies and other gods and name them correctly, something's up with this book. If it can name 50 people without using the Bible that are mentioned in the Bible, I might stop sleeping with my boyfriend. Oh, you little mental midgets. But is there any evidence? Oh, it drives me nuts. Is there any evidence of the book of Genesis? Let's start right here, smarty britches. Listen, I am, this is war to me. You're looking, kids, at a skin of a dinosaur T-Rex. There's a big problem with this picture. Anybody want to tell me out loud what it is? Huge problem for something hundreds of millions of years old. I married into a family of physicians. There's like four or five doctors in my, in my wife's family. And one thing I know is that's scientifically impossible. Young lady, sweetheart, do me a favor. Take a good look at that skin up here on the wall and tell me what color you see inside the skin. It's red, isn't it, honey? You know what that is? 
Those are blood cells. Now, can you tell me, sweetheart, how something hundreds of millions of years old still has blood pathogens in them? Not to mention they're now finding footprints of humans with pedalatal motion, two legs, not four, right next to dinosaurs buried in the earth. Not to mention that most fossils are with sludge and mud and only 0.001% of all fossils are human beings and most paleontologists and anthropologists have never handled a real set of human bones but the ones they do have and the rest of the fossils 97.8% is found in water that suddenly covered it up in mud sounds like a flood to me sweetie and the book of Job talks about dinosaurs. But let me really throw you off. Kids, watch this. Everybody look inside that wall right there. What do you see? Everybody shout it out. See a dinosaur. Pastor, the problem with this picture is that's Angkor Wat in Cambodia. 1,500 years ago. Someone please tell me how Popot and the people, it wasn't Popot, Popot's region, excuse me, how Cambodians at Angkor Wat, a thousand or 500 AD, without TV, without the internet, without radio, without pictures, knew what a dinosaur looked like. Now, everybody know Abraham, give him a big hand clap. Amen. Come on, give everybody, Abraham a big hand clap. Listen, you know, Michael, <laughs> that goes way back. You're talking about Abraham? Oh, really? There's his home. Right there. That's his home. So when you look at the Old Testament cities, you find out that there are 84 of them. Do you know how many we found? 70. Give God a hand clap of praise in this house. Actually, it's more than that. But listen, precious people, you don't mean to tell me you really believe those Bible stories about Adam and Eve. Do you really believe that? I got a bridge I want to sell you in Evansville, Indiana, going to Louisville. Not so fast, smarty bridges. You're looking at a naked man and a naked woman. This rock dates back to 3200 B.C., was lost in the Pennsylvania Museum, and it's called the Spicer Stone. It's a naked man, a naked woman, and a snake over the top of them with them bent over in pain. Dates to 3,200 B.C. Now watch this young man. I'm going to see if you've been listening to Sunday school. Tell me what was unique about the snake in the book of Genesis. i got to tie my shoe. What was unique about the, book, the snake in the book of Genesis? Don't be afraid. I'm not going to hurt you. It could talk, but what else? How does the Bible describe the snake in the book of Genesis? It says what? He had what, Brother Payne? He had two legs. You, listen, you would be much better if you were Catholic and dumb. I'm from a Catholic background. Lots of good charismatic Catholics. But sweetheart, I'm going to show you the oldest fossil in the world of a snake. And we know it's a snake because of its vertebrae. Everybody help me. Five. 
four, three, two, one. What's on the end of this snake? Two legs. Somebody give God's word a hand clap of praise quickly. I got to go. This is called the Greenstone Cylinder. dates back to 2200 B.C. Talking about Adam and Eve. This is the Epic of Imamark, which were Persian tablets, which talk about how there was a day when the lion and the lamb lay down by itself and that women had birth with no pain. This is a flood tablet. This is a tablet of the Babylonian kings that said there were 11 kings. And it names all 10 kings from the time of Adam to the time that the Bible says Noah would have set sail on the ark. Noah would have been the 11th king in the Babylonian Persian or the Persian Empire. And what this Babylonian tablet, which is in the British Museum, says is that the flood came up and then the sons of Cush which was the grandson of Noah, who was the father of Nimrod, who I was trying to remember this morning, that Genesis 10 said built the first cities, Sumer and Acadia. But when it gets to King 11, rather than name the name of the king, what it does is that it actually turns around and it says, and then the flood came. Somebody give God's word a hand clap of praise. Amen. Now watch this. I'm going to show you a movie. I'm going to go really quick, but this is Robert Ballard. And Robert Ballard found the Titanic. He's the most famous underwater archaeologist in the world. And he started out and he said, I'm going to go look for Noah's Ark. But he said, I'm not looking for wood on top of Mount Ararat. He said, there's probably logically no way the wood remains. But if there really was a flood... At 5,302 B.C., give or take a few years, which was 7,000 years ago, then I'm going to find an ancient shoreline at the bottom of the Red Sea, at the base of Mount Ararat, and I will find a civilization flooded 7,000 years ago. Watch Holly Christian Amanpour in a two-part special beginning tonight on ABC. Christian goes back to the Holy Land to take us inside the history and mysteries of the Bible. And Christian, you met with one scientist who says there's actually proof that the great flood that took away Noah's Ark existed? Well, as you can imagine, historians, archaeologists, uh, discoverers are always trying to figure out were these stories true, what aspects of them were. Now, nobody really believes they'll ever find an ark. I mean, for obvious reasons, wood, decay, etc. But Robert Ballard, who found the Titanic shipwreck in 1985, believes that there is evidence of a massive flood about 7,000 years ago, which is when the Bible situates Noah's story and he thinks it's in the Black Sea region of, the, uh, of Turkey. Let's take a listen. Our journey to investigate the story of Noah and his ark led us to the banks of the Black Sea in Turkey where we heard that tantalizing clues were being uncovered by Dr. Robert Ballard, one of the world's leading underwater archaeologists. All right, let's get closer down. We were astonished to learn that he believes the biblical flood could have actually happened, and he says he can find proof. Something here, what's this, what's this? If you were to discover definitively something that could pin science on the Noah story, 
How fantastic would that be? Well, it would be pretty cool. And I'm confident we can. We just have to look. Now, using advanced robotic technology, he's traveling even further back in time. I'm putting a lot of money in the water and obviously can't wait to see what it's going to see. We talk about the floods of art, living history. Boy, they don't compare at all to the floods of ancient time. The question is, was there a mother of all floods? Ballard thinks there was, and he's testing a controversial theory that the biblical flood happened here. Why the Black Sea? Well, because the Black Sea appears to have had a giant flood. Not just a slow-moving, advancing rise of sea level, but a really big flood, and people were living there. The theory goes this was once an isolated freshwater lake, but then, when the Mediterranean swelled... At some magic moment, it broke through and flooded this place violently. What did Noah, or the people who lived there during what you believe to be this huge flood, what did they see? It probably was a bad day, and a lot of real estate, 150,000 square kilometers of land, went under. And 400 feet below the surface, Ballard okay, believes he's found proof that of that catastrophic event. I love it. I love it. I love it. They unearthed an ancient shoreline. Well, we actually dated it, about 5,000 B.C. And that is about the time that the Bible says exactly. Noah and the Great Flood happened. I mean, wow. Wow. So it nailed it. Wow, Christian, what an adventure this must have been. It really was an adventure. We traced Moses' steps up Mount Somebody Sinai. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise path. that his and word you know, is that really accurate. Do you realize that the Bible says that in Genesis 10 it names all the ethnicities? Anybody in here ever had their DNA checked? Let me see your hands. Well, let me show you mine. That's my DNA. They now know through DNA and genomes that... We're a family migrated according to their DNA and genome patterns and the blood, the blood pathogens, the, the blood and the blood system. They can trace back genetics when it comes to ethnics, ethnicity. As a matter of fact, I'm from Irish, England. Um, I'm about as a cracker as you can get. Somebody say amen. Uh, Italian and 1% uh, Jewish. That kind of makes sense to me. All right. How many of you ever heard of the Tower of Babel? They found 30 of them in the Mesopotamian. And they just recently found the evidence of one in Babylon, which was the biggest. They found the grandson of Cush, or excuse me, Noah's grandson Cush and his son Nimrod, who built the first civilizations, just like it said. They found blankets that people from our of the Chaldeans where Abraham came from. They actually found a lamb in a thicket in Ur made of gold. As a matter of fact, kids, I don't want to spook you, but look at this. 6,500-year-old body from the land of Ur. They found the home that Abraham stayed in, or excuse me, the city in which he was stayed in, named after his brother, according to the book of Acts. They said camels did not exist, and the Bible says that Abraham owned camels. The Bible didn't say everyone owned camels. The Bible said Abraham owned camels. And now they're finding proof. But then they begin to dig at Sodom and Gomorrah. It was covered in ash and salt pillars. As a matter of fact, what's so unique about that, and this picture is out of place, and I'll get to it in a minute, but they found jars that date to the Middle Bronze period exactly when the Bible says Sodom and Gomorrah exploded. 
But when they began to dig, they found stuff got so hot that it was covered in 20 meters of ash at Sodom and Gomorrah. That bones were split in two instantly. And when they took the rock that you're looking at to the right, to the geology center in New Mexico, and they asked the Ph.D. lady who was a geologist, tell me what this rock is. And she looked at the archaeologist and she said, where in the world did you get this? And the archaeologist said, don't ask me, no questions right now, just tell me what you think it is. She goes, I know exactly what it is. I don't have to go look, but I will do the test. It's tranitite. Tranitite is only formed in two places. It's formed in outer space because only outer space is hot enough to make tranitite. Or it's formed in a nuclear bomb after it goes off. And you can find tranitite at Hiroshima or Nagasaki. And what she found out is that they used to believe that Sodom and Gomorrah was under an oil well sitting on a volcano. And this is true. But they now know that's not what caused the explosion. How many of you know you shouldn't tempt God partying with the devil sitting on a volcano underneath an oil well? Yeah, it's common sense. But common sense isn't common, is it, Mamma? And so what you find is that they now know that the oil well and the volcano were erupted by something much harder than a volcano and an oil cistern under Sodom and Gomorrah. They now, they now know as a fact, a scientific fact because of the presence of Trinitite, that a meteorite came out of outer space and landed out of that galaxy into ours and burnt things to a crisp. It's the only scientific way you can find tranitite. As a matter of fact, they found bodies. They found femurs. They found jawbones. If that's true, why are you living wrong? Why are you afraid of holiness? But if that's true, Jesus loves you. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. We got to go quick. They said Moses couldn't write the Pentateuch, Brother Payne, until they found this. This is the oldest known alphabet in the world. They originally said there are no known alphabets during the time of Moses that he could have used to write the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Then they found one, and now they don't have one, ladies and gentlemen. They have 50 alphabets during the time of Moses he could have used. And in the last three years, they found that. You know what you're looking at? You're looking at the very first ABC chart in the history of human beings. A thousand years before Moses. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. And then they said, you know, you have to really watch 
the story of the Exodus because that's a fairy tale. Memo, listen up, Sunday school teachers, you kids that have heard this story, I want to show you what has just happened in the last two years. Number one, the Bible says that there was a Pharaoh who was very stressed out and he went and got a guy named Joseph that was in prison. And he was stressed out because he couldn't interpret a dream. Joseph interprets the dream and he says seven years of famine is coming and seven years of success. You need to prepare now. Everybody know the story? Say yeah. All right. This is Pharaoh Amenhotep, who was the Pharaoh during Joseph. When you look at a museum and you go look at the faces of a Pharaoh, the face of a Pharaoh is never in any other position in Egyptology but platonic. You don't see Pharaoh smiling next to Isis. You don't see Pharaoh angry. You just see no emotion in the Pharaoh's face. Take a good look at Amenhotep. He's the only Pharaoh ever dug up by an archaeologist with a frown on his face in the sense of worry. And do you know what this fits into? It fits into the understanding that Thutmose was the Pharaoh of the oppression. And you're looking at Thutmose right there. The Bible says they begin to starve and people said there was no starvation of Israel. But look on the wall, kid. There's an Egyptian hieroglyphic of, of Semitic people. Well, you know they're Semitic because of the bow haircut. They're Semitic and they're starving. They look like skeletons. They said Israel was never made to make bricks until they found in the Pharaoh's temple in his deathbed, in his pyramid, that relief of Egyptians making brick. They said there was no exodus where Semitic people, Jewish people, which would become Jewish people, Semitic people left Israel and now they're finding encampments. But here's the big deal. They have always said the Bible is not true because... Ramsey was a time of prosperity and the Bible says in Genesis 4 and 7 that the children of Israel left the land of Ramses. When archaeologists dig in the land of Ramsey, they only find prosperity. They only find temples and wealth and health. But then an archaeologist about five years ago began to dig under the land of Ramses. And do you know what they found? A city called Avris. Do you know what you know that city as? The land of Goshen. And let me show you what they found. 30,000, and realize there were no Hebrews, there's no Jews at this time, they're Semitic. 30,000 Semitic homes that were destroyed with a temple in a Semitic kingdom in Egypt on top of it that had 12 pillars and a palace and 12 graves in the backyard. 11 were normal graves that were Semitic in origin, but the 12th one was in the shape of a pyramid. Only royalty is allowed and was allowed in Egyptology to be buried in a pyramid. So we got major problems in the Middle Bronze Age now because we are seeing where Semitic people exploded 
in population growth. We have Semitic people who are now having 12 sons, one of which is buried in an Egyptian tomb representing the authority of Pharaoh himself. And do you know what they found in this Egyptian tomb? This statue. Young man, you know enough about Sunday school to give me the answer. What color is the coat? It's a coat of many colors. Let's go a little deeper. A bow hair in Egyptology is always a symbol of a Jewish human being from descent of Semitic people. The back of his back was a coat of many colors. On his shoulders was a satrap, which was the insignia of great power in Egypt. And then there was the king who walked with him with worry on his face, who divided the kingdom just like the Bible says and took over power and Pharaoh became rich. And Joseph actually built this waterway for King or Pharaoh in a heptap to store water during the seven years of famine. And you can still see this, real, this, this waterway today. And there's the evidence. But let's go farther. We find that after a Pharaoh arose that knew not Jacob, things changed during the Middle Kingdom. And what we found were Egyptians that all of a sudden lost their health and nutrition with rickets in their body and vitamin D deficiencies, buried with Semitic tools. And when we looked at the graves that we found, we found that the predominant amount of the graves that they were thrown on top of each other very quickly because they died malnourished, almost if, if they went into slavery. And that when you looked at the graves, you found the predominant amount of people in the graves during one period of time, during the time of Moses in, in the land of Goshen, that the majority of the kids, the people that were thrown in the graves were 15 years of age and younger. 15-year-olds don't die of osteoporosis and rickets. But you then find when you get to the time of the Passover where the average grave is between five years of age and birth. Somebody give God's word a hand clap of praise in here if you don't mind. First place to mention Israel, but take a look at this, Mamma. This is called the Apura Papyrus, and I'm going to go quick. I'm watching my clock. I got to get my glasses on, so everybody look here. Come with me. On the left is the Egyptologist who wrote this Apura Papyrus. Paper, papyrus, comes from the Egyptian Nile River. On the right is the Bible, young man. The Egyptian, thousands of years ago, wrote that blood filled the water. Exodus said blood went through the land of Egypt. The papyrus says that they couldn't drink the water. And Exodus said the Egyptians dug around the water to find something to drink. The papyrus said the water began to stink because all the fish had died. And Exodus says the fish stunk. The papyrus said the trees were destroyed. And Exodus said hell smoked every herb. 
The papyrus says that lower Egypt weeps in the entire palace is without refuge. Exodus says the fish have died. The papyrus says the animals lose their heartbeat. And Exodus said the hand of the Lord struck the cattle. The papyrus says the cattle, the land had no light. The Exodus says that the world turned dark. The papyrus says Children of princesses are dashed against the wall. And the firstborn of the land of Egypt began to die. Actually, we have an Egyptologist piece of paper that proves the uh, plagues of Egypt. Somebody give God a praise. Now, let me go quick. You ready? They said there was no wine. There's the winery. They said there was no honey factory. There's the honey factory of Pharaoh. Now I want you to get ready because I'm going to show you a dead body. It's the only person mentioned by specific name in the Bible I can show you today as having really existed still today in physical form. You ready? There's Ramsey. You want to know something interesting about Ramsey? He had red hair. They said the walls of Jericho couldn't have fallen the way that they fell. Well, there they are. And they fell exactly the way the Bible said. They said there was no house of David. It was made up and it wasn't big. There is his first excavation. There is his palace. And they now know his palace was bigger than anyone could ever imagine. There are slingshots and stones that were used during the time of David. And because, listen to this, because the Bible is so accurate geographically, listen, I only have to be wrong one time to give Satan praise and destroy your faith in the Bible. Just one time. I just got to be proven, proven wrong. And the Bible has never been proven wrong, historically, ever. Only got to be proven one time wrong and our whole faith falls apart. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise in here. Come on, wake up. Amen. Now listen to this, Grandma. I was just standing in here. I never knew it existed until April of this year. That is the Valley of Elah. And because of the geographical description of the Old Testament being so specific, it can only fit within that geographical description of 1 Samuel 17, 2 through 19. And there it is. That is where David fought Goliath. But it gets better. We found the city Goliath came from. But you know what we found in the city? We found a piece of pottery, Papaw. And do you know whose name was on it? And this doesn't prove it was his pot. It does prove the name was famous. You know what name is written on this piece of pottery found in in Gad? Goliath. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Now, we got proof of Solomon's temple. We got proof of Gezer. We got proof of the pomegranates the Bible talks about. We got proof of uh, the queen of Sheba and her temple. We got proof. Now, that's not the queen of Sheba, but that is her gold mine. We have proof right here of uh, Shechem. We got proof of King Uzziah. We have Proof of Manasseh, 
We have proof of Sargon. We have proof of King Ahab. We have proof of Jeremiah. We have proof of Jehoiakim. We have proof of Jehuko. We have proof. Now listen to this. They just found this this year. This is amazing. I really didn't believe it the first time I heard it. The house of Elijah. Honey, it's either a lie or it's true, sweetheart. And if it's true, why shouldn't we find Elijah's house that trained the prophets? Now watch this. I'm going quick. We got Nisham. We got Mount Carmel. We have Jezreel. We have Jeroboam. We have jumping Jehoshaphat's Jeremiah. We have King Jehu. We have King Uzziah in the year that the Lord was high and lifted up. We have the signature of Isaiah the prophet. We have the proof of Nebuchadnezzar and his secretary. We have proof of Cyrus, Deiris. We have proof of Babylon. And we have proof of the lions that went along the processional way of Nebuchadnezzar. And here's an ancient picture of those lions. We have proof of Daniel. They've actually found a lion's den in Babylon in the old city I just talked about. And an archaeologist fell into it. And then all of a sudden he was climbing out because he thought he fell into a pit. And there was an inscription that said, To those that disobey the king are thrown here to the beast. We have Belshazzar. We have Esther. And what she walked by every day. We have proof of the Hittites. We have proof of the Hittite treaty that the New York Times said didn't exist. We got proof of Jezebel. We got proof of Hezekiah. We got proof of the disciple Philip. We know exactly where they laid his body. And right here is where they laid the body of the disciple of Philip. Right here. Right, right, right here. I'm trying. There we go. That's where they laid the disciples' body of Philip. We have the bones of St. Peter. We have the burial grounds of, of John, who was on the island of Patmos. We have old pictures of St. Mark. We have the tomb of Matthias. We have the pool of Bethesda. We have the new church they just found three weeks ago that Peter, Andrew, and Philip was dedicated to and the home of Bethesda. We have found the tomb of Lazarus. We have found the, the Caesarea of Philippi. We have found the synagogue where they cast out the devil. We have found the home of St. Peter. And we have found the boyhood home of Jesus. Somebody say amen. We have of Christmas. We have found... Uh, Damascus we have found Antioch we have found where Paul got into a fight with the silversmith and he, and he was thrown uh, to the lions they were going to throw him to the lions in this uh, amphitheater of Ephesus and what they actually did there to Christians is that this arena seated 25,000 people and they would go crazy and they would take a Christian and strip him down naked and then they would build a fire over to the right side where the gladiators would train in the city of Ephesus. And then they would take a metal chair and put a metal chair in the fire till it became red. 
They would take the metal chair out into that stage at the arena of Ephesus and take a naked Christian, put them on this hot chair that has been in the flames, tie their body there, let their body cool, and then rip them off arm by arm and leg by leg, and the arena went wild. We have found the church of Laodicea. We have found the altar of Satan that Jesus refers to with John the Revelator. There it is. It's in Berlin right now. We have found Philadelphia and the church of Smyrna and the church of Sardis and the city of Troy where the Trojan horse was at. We have found a 2,000-year-old boat. We have found Tarsus where Paul was born. We have found the, the city of Theratia, the church of Theratia. We have found the church of Thessalonica. We have found Athens that Paul talks about. We have found Mars Hill. We have found the palace of Herod of Acropa. We have found the Bema seat in the city of Corinthian that Paul stood in front of. We found 72 cities in the Bible, and we have found all 72 of them. Give God praise in this house. Amen. We have found the Gallio inscription. We have found Luke's inscription. We have found Erasmus' inscriptions. We have found Zacharias' inscription. We have found the uh, Kidron Valley of Barsabbas. We have found the Pool of Shalom. We have found the island of Patmos. We have found Pontius Pilate. And we have found the bone box of Caiaphas who persecuted Jesus. We have found the first graffiti against Christianity that said Jesus was an ass. And he's talking about a donkey. But it's what they called Jesus. And they crucified him on a cross in the form of a donkey. Then we found a map digging for a prison that said Jesus was God. And then we found a 19-year-old boy crucified 2,000 years ago with a nail through his foot that shut the mouth of skeptics that said crucifixion did not happen with a nail through the foot because it would not stay. And in 2019 of November, we still can't get the nail out. We have found a map that the church left for us that said here is where all of these things happened. It's called the Madaba map. When you look at history and you see how they judge history, we trust Caesar because we have a 1,200-year deal between them and we have 10 MSSs, original manuscripts, telling about his life 100 years before he lived, 100 years after he died. Then third place is Demetrius. We got uh, 200 copies. And then second place is Homer of Iliad. We have 642 copies, but the Bible is first place even by the way Harvard judges truth. We have found the Dead Sea Scrolls and the oldest copy of the Bible was found in this mummy just a few years ago, the book of Mark. We have found the writings of Roman emperors that mentions the Jesus Christ and Christians. We have found the water pipes of Laodicea. I wish you would not be hot or cold. And I'm going to close with this and then pray over you. And then I want you to go tell people about what you've learned. The greatest, and this is hotly debated, the greatest archaeological find in the millennium. They spent millions of dollars, tens of thousands of pages in a Jewish courtroom because they found a bone box, which is a coffin, an ossuary, with the name James, brother of Jesus, son of Joseph. Lots of people were named Jesus. Lots of people were named Joseph. Lots of people were named James. But few people 
had a brother named James with a famous brother named Jesus and a dad named Joseph. You don't have to believe me. Try 60 minutes. It is being heralded as the greatest archaeological find of all time, the first physical evidence of the existence of Jesus. This simple limestone box with its ancient Aramaic inscription is believed to be the 2,000-year-old ossuary or bone box of the brother of Jesus of Nazareth. What it says is Yaakov or Jacob or James in its anglicized form, uh, Bar, son of, Yosef or Joseph, Achiu de, the brother of, Yeshua, Jesus. James, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus. And uh, it's that inscription that has captivated the imagination of the world. When the news of the James ossuary broke in the autumn of 2002, the ancient artifact very rapidly became the focus of international interest and debate. Where did it come from? Was James really the brother of Jesus? And the biggest question of all, is the bone box genuine or is it in fact a fraud? Two-time Emmy Award-winning documentary filmmaker Simcha Yakubovich landed the world exclusive to the story. Although, to date, most of his films have focused on Jewish themes, Yakubovich, an Orthodox Jew, found the topic fascinating. As somebody interested in, in history, I was you know, blown away because suddenly um, you had an artifact that the whole world was saying, wow, you know, could this really be it? Um, and uh, so I was immediately drawn. As a filmmaker, I was very privileged to have something that the whole world wanted and I had unique access. We were able to bring our cameras behind the scenes and take viewers behind the scenes in, a, in an exclusive way. Yakubovich's well-paced investigative documentary entitled James, Brother of Jesus, answers the question of the authenticity of the find. I give time to everybody, the people who say it's a forgery and the people who say it's authentic. But I think that at the end of the day, people who watch the film will be convinced, as I was uh, making it, that this thing is the real thing, that uh, has been authenticated by every test that modern science can throw at it. For the first time, the world would get a chance to view the James Ossuary right here in Toronto in the building directly behind me, the Royal Ontario Museum. But its journey to Toronto was not without incident. Time, Damaged en route from Israel, the ancient priceless artifact was cracked in a number of places. Once restored, however, the James Ossuary would draw record-breaking numbers to the Royal Ontario Museum. If this is real, then this is the find of the millennium, maybe the two millennia, uh, because this is, uh, this is an artifact that overarches all the artifacts. This is not someone's tongue, ear, finger, head, uh, ankle, you know, whatever, you know, vertebrae. This is an inscription saying Jesus existed in the first century. Isn't that amazing? Now I want to close and I want to walk you through something. If all of this stuff is true, how much more is it true then, logically and rationally, that he can heal you if you need healing? Next, 
If all of this stuff is true, how much more is it true that he opens blinded eyes? If all of this stuff is true, how much more? Next, watch my finger. When John the Revelator said four horsemen are coming after this world. One brings death. One brings war. One brings famine. And how much more is it true that Jesus is going to come off the Mount of Olives and step his foot on it and walk through the eastern gate of the temple and set his kingdom up on this earth one more time? How much more is it true? How much more is it true that he arose from the dead? What's the likelihood of him also saying, I go to prepare you a place. And in my father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And St. Peter says, one of these days, the earth will melt like wax. And Ezekiel says, the flesh of men will fall off of themselves when fire falls on them both describing nuclear warfare. And Jesus says, I'm about to get rid of suffering. I'm about to get rid of death. I'm going to quarantine the sheep from the goats. The Garden of Eden started with two trees. There were two trees because you have a choice tonight to serve him or to choose after you have heard me today, disobey him. But there's coming a moment soon and very soon when he's going to remove the second tree. And you find yourself in heaven not with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil but only the tree of life. And what does this mean? It means he's going to take away free will. And when he does a job of quarantining pedophiles and fake preachers and ungodly Christians... He's going to do such a good job of stamping out evil and suffering that he will take care of my white lie. And there will only be one tree in heaven. And free will will be taken away and grace will be no more because you will never have another choice to accept Christ ever. Christianity is the only religion that has an answer for suffering. There are two trees right now, but there's going to be one. And when there is only one, I will never be able to sin again. When I was your age, I used to get scared that I'd get kicked out of heaven if I ever made it up there. I now know that's impossible. Because you can't do wrong in heaven because there's no choice to do right or wrong. The battle is over. I think I know who I'm talking to, but just in case I don't, if you're not right with God right now, you can gamble like a fool. Because I can prove to you that the Bible is historically accurate. 
And if I can prove the Bible is historically accurate, then the probability of its religious message increases manifold. And you can sit back there and bet that sleeping with your girlfriend or smoking methamphetamines is the way to eternal life. Or you can recommit your life to Christ tonight and get on the right side of history. Academics, sociology, and archaeology, geology, paleontology, and anthropology. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I know when the Holy Ghost hits me, and I'm talking to someone who's not right with God. You can roll the dice and be a fool. Or you can be a wise man or woman and stand when I give you a moment to stand. If you're not right with God tonight, and I know you're here whether you have the courage to stand or not. You don't make me a liar. You or the liar. I'm going to count to three. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not your enemy. I'm your friend. And when I count to three, if you don't know 100% sure you're right with God, stand. One. Two. Three. someone else stand let's pray Father to those that are standing simply say Jesus forgive me of all my sins come into my life tonight the preponderance of the evidence is on you and I accept you as God confess with my mouth that I am a sinner and in need of a savior and that I can only be saved by grace not of works and I accept you as my savior tonight in Jesus name I'll see you soon amen God bless you How many of you have been challenged tonight? Uh, I think we have the knowledge to go back into some of the territory that the enemy has taken from us. And we, as Christian America, as Christian parents and Christian grandparents, if we do not instill upon this generation that's coming up we will stand before God in judgment. Now, I'm telling you, we're going we're gonna to give an account for everything. And we have an awesome responsibility. And a hot dog's not going to save them. A pizza party's not going to save them. But the blood of Jesus still sets captives free. Aren't you glad for that tonight?